Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett. And tomorrow night, that being Thursday, the 49ers wrap up the preseason against the Houston Texans. Trey Lance going to see an extended period of play. We might see Debo Samuel. We might see Brandon Ayuk. Maybe even we get a Nick Bosa sighting, but it should be a great game to wrap up the preseason against. I know the Houston Texans, uh, Lovey Smith, their head coach, So they're looking forward to this game. They've been ramping up for this game. So it should be a good test for a young quarterback, that being Trey Lance. But today, we're going to talk about a little bit about that Niners-Vikings game week two of the preseason. I do want to talk about the safety position. We also will get into what to expect tomorrow night from Trey Lance from the starters. And of course, it wouldn't be the preseason if we didn't get into some stock up, stock down. So let's start. With the safety position. Now, one of the bigger questions really isn't who's eventually going to start. Because we know, come you know, week two, week three, when Jimmy Ward is healthy, he will be uh, implemented back into the defense. He will be the starting free safety. Taunoa Hufunga seems like he will be the starting strong safety with George Odom mixed in there uh, to mix and match. Uh, so we know our three safety sets, but... With Jimmy Ward still nursing the hamstring injury, uh, that that question was kind of up in the air. Is, is Tavarius Moore going to start? Can he kind of find his footing in the defense coming back from the injury? He hasn't looked too great. A little better against the Vikings, but hasn't looked too great uh, throughout the entirety of training camp and preseason. Then there's George Odom, who he's a veteran, been here for a long time in regards to being in the NFL. I believe he's a former pro bowler with the Colts, brought in to be a special teams guy. Uh, I think he commanded that role, and I think when Yavu Fanga, who's a, essentially a second-year pro, uh, is still working through those, he's still learning how to play uh, in the NFL, although he's looked pretty good, but still learning how to play in the NFL, learning how to cover, learning uh, the defense still after one year in the system, I think you're going to want a veteran like George Odom playing alongside him, and I do think that we really saw what that'll look like against Minnesota. Uh, George Odom had one interception. Now, doesn't mean he's going to you know, be a you know a ball hawk, but, I mean, that ball was thrown right to him. <laughs> There's no way around it. That ball was thrown right to him. But that being said, it's about being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, George Odom has been uh, far more than Tavarius Moore in the right place in the right time. And I think that was shown on on Saturday against the Vikings. Had the one pick, played fairly well, fairly well on defense. Again, the PFF numbers wouldn't show that, but PFF is PFF. Uh, you can take what you want from that. Um, I just think that for one week, what it seems like Jimmy Ward will be back on week two, hopefully. 
that in one week uh, you can survive with George Odom being your starting free safety. Uh, it's not as if you know George Odom is going to collapse in front of you. He's not the boomer bust kind of guy that Tavares Moore seems to be right now as he still works his way back from the injury. So I do think George Odom uh, kind of kind of won that starting free safety job while Jimmy Ward is out. Okay, let's move on now a little bit to tomorrow night's game against the Houston Texans. And before I do, I want to tell you that if you want to go see San Francisco play the Texans, if you want to go to Chicago and watch Niners play uh, against the Bears, if you want to see them play against Seattle at home for the home opener, use Promo code 49ers access. That's 49 ERSACCESS at SeatGeek to save $20 off your first purchase. Gas is kind of going down, but you still want to save some money. Inflation still exists. Anytime you can save money, it's the best thing for you. $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Here's a little secret keep making different accounts. You can continue to save $20. That's the way to do it. All right, let's jump back into the show for one second here, and let's preview tomorrow night's game. And the question really I want to answer is, what to expect from Trey Lance? I was someone who told you uh, after the Niners versus Packers game in week one of the preseason that I wish Trey Lance had not hit that home run ball, the deep ball, the go ball, to Danny Gray. Because I wanted to see him work on the ins and outs, the timing stuff, the things that he has shown issues with in training camp. And I thought Trey Lance should have played against the Vikings. It could have been for the exact same amount of time that he played against the Packers. So what, two, two, two drives really? Uh, in the hopes that you know he could have worked on this stuff against the real defense. And well, that wasn't the case. So now Kyle Shanahan has said that Trey Lance and the starters will play at most a half. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's playing Trey Lance a full half against the Houston Texans. Um, And again, I understand why he didn't play against the Vikings. You have three games in 12 days. You want to keep your most important players on the field at all costs. That's why he didn't play. Uh, Also, joint practices. So, like, there's reasons why Lance didn't play. I I think as a fan, as someone who's trying to analyze him and trying to figure out what he's going to be, what he currently is, I wanted to see him play. So going on to play the Texans, if I don't think he's playing a full half. That being said, if Matt Ryan can get a full quarter in his first week of preseason, I think Trey Lance should get a full quarter against the Texans. This essentially is your dress rehearsal for the regular season. It's put a little bit of stuff on tape, Show what you can do. Show what you've learned throughout the training camp, throughout the offseason, throughout the preseason. Uh, gain momentum going forward and kind of take that and carry it over into week one against the Chicago Bears. So personally, I want to see Trey Lance play a full quarter. To me, that makes the most sense. You kind of give him the, the Jimmy treatment last year against the Chargers where he plays, you know, three or four or five drives. In this case, give me that full quarter. If that means he's playing six drives, so be it. Uh, if that means Trent Williams plays for you know three drives and and you know you figure things out, that's fine. Um, I just think Trey Lance needs to be out there. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends and they mentioned this to me. I thought it was a good point that so Spencer Burford, who's young, Aaron Banks, who are both young offensive guards, they need reps. They all talk about how the more reps they get, the better they should be. 
And with Trey Lance, that conversation last year was he just needs reps. That if you give him live reps, he will progress. And that was kind of one of the sticking points as to why many wanted him to start last year. And so the question is now, why don't we want him to get reps? Like, why is he not, or or because he didn't play against the Vikings, now I'm on that side of, I want him to get reps. And I think he needs the reps, just like Burford and Banks do. And so, to me, I want to see him play the full quarter, but I, I still, while the timing, playing the full quarter, gives him the ability to hit that deep ball and still have a handful of other drives to work on other stuff. To me, this is the perfect mix and match, the perfect uh, recipe for him to have maybe, or for at least the fans to get their best picture of what kind of quarterback he currently is. Because I want to see those joint practices actually worked. And now sometimes you don't reap the reward till week five, and you go, okay, I learned that in Minnesota during joint practices. Um... But that being said, I want to see him sling it. I want to see him hit some go routes. I also want to see that timing still be there. I want to see the ability to go over the middle and don't miss high and behind people. One of the biggest things Trey Lance did during training camp was miss high and sometimes high and behind receivers. I want to see that be corrected or at least see an improvement on that. And I said... Uh, over the radio after the Vikings game for 95-7 the game, I said, my biggest fear is that Lance is going to go 4 for 10 or 4 for 12, and four of those plays will be 45-yard home run plays, 45-yard touchdown passes. And now, realistically, what I'm saying is that, yes, he hit four 45-yard touchdown passes. That's 28 points. How can I complain? It's a dumb thing to complain about. But I would rather him hit two 45-yard touchdown passes, complete 60% of his throws, and milk some clock and still get the touchdowns, right? Now, obviously, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. That's not always the case. But you don't think the Rams, the Seahawks, well, they'll at least try, but the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Chargers, like the Cardinals, they're going to try to take away that deep ball. I want... Trey Lance, to show me. It, it's selfish, I know. I'm not saying he needs to show me. I'm saying I want him to show me that he can hit the, the crosser over the middle in stride, not behind a guy. Now, I, I believe he can. I just haven't seen it yet consistently. And so against Houston, in this one quarter of play, however much he plays, while I do want him to take those chances, sling the football around the field, I also want to see the progression. I want to see the crossing routes. I want to see the timing improved. And maybe it's because Debo and Ayuk haven't been on the field in preseason. We haven't seen that stuff. But And, and, and maybe that changes tomorrow night. Maybe if Debo and Ayuk are playing and Kittle's out there, who knows? Maybe we see that stuff improve. And instead of throwing to McLeod and Gray and you know Malik Turner, whoever was out there at the time, maybe that does improve. And they go, oh, okay, many of the worries we had are just like, oh, you know, it was a chemistry issue. It was, well, the starters aren't playing. And it's so hard to kind of get an idea as to what somebody is. You can only analyze so much from a quarterback, from an offensive lineman or, or, or a receiver or anybody playing in preseason because they're playing against maybe backups or 
the guys they would normally play next to aren't out there. Like, Aaron Banks is playing next to, at least on a Saturday against the Vikings, he's playing next to Colton McKivitz and Justin Skule and, 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 and Sutherland and guys he's likely not going to be on the field with. Getting him guys like Trent Williams back, Jake Brendel back, uh, and even on the right-hand side, McGlinchey back for Burford, like, that changes what an offense can do. Offensive line chemistry means something, just like chemistry with the receivers means something. You can only take away so much, and sometimes that stuff is just the basics. And so, you can take away Lance's accuracy, but you can't, like, you have to look at it from, is the receiver in the right place? Was that route run correctly? And I don't know. Hopefully, tomorrow night against the Texans, we'll see that if Debo and Ayuk are playing, the routes are crisper, the timing is better. But that's just something I want to see. Because I don't want to see come week one that with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle out there, that that stuff isn't, you know, it isn't finely tooled, or, or tuned, excuse me. Because San Francisco, they have a pretty easy early schedule, then things ramp up a little bit, and then it gets tough, and then it gets easy. Like, if they can get out of the gates quick, beat an offense that is smooth like butter, <laughs> like, that that leads to the offense, to the players, to feel that confidence, and it allows them to play looser, play better, during the regular season, and to me, just as a fan, as someone trying to analyze the team, the quarterback, the offensive line, the defense, that starts against Houston. And and really, it started in training camp, but week three of the preseason, the finale, this is your full, this is your last time before week one to say, this is what I got. And you ain't got to show me all of it, but I want to see the things that, to me, are important. Timing, chemistry with the receivers, accuracy. That stuff, and I was talking about it on Saturday too with uh, Evan Giddings on 95.7 The Game, that maybe Shanahan is sitting back saying, look, I know Trey Lance can hit the go ball, the home run ball, okay? The defenses who prepare for that stuff, or maybe feel the need to prep for that stuff, it's going to open the underneath, right? And Lance learning how to hit that more consistently might be easier, Lance learning how to hit the intermediate routes might be easier for him as time goes on rather than hitting the go ball or the deep ball. Maybe that's the case. There's just so much of uncertainty of question marks around Trey Lance. And again, you can think what you want of him or what he will be, what he won't be, whatever your opinion of him is. Uh, I think the fan base and including myself sometimes, it's like, you want to put these expectations on Trey Lance and the team, but you're like, but that's a question we just don't know. And the only way to settle a fan base down is to show them. And so I'm hoping against the Texans on Thursday, we'll get a glimpse of that. And then later on in the year, week one, week two, week three, we will see more of that on display to kind of ease our mind. Uh, one other thing I want to talk about today before we get to stock up, stock down, it's very short, is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the Niners have exactly, as of the recording of this podcast, August 24th, they have six days, less than a week, to either trade or release Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, John Lynch spoke yesterday, I believe it was on KNBR, and he said, look, he was like, we're reaching that point where a decision has to be made. But then you listen to what Kyle Shanahan says, and he says, any scenario is possible, 
Then Jed York says they're open to keeping Jimmy. And so it's like, one, my first reaction was, well, they're still going to cut him. Like, this is a given. They're just trying to, you know, play coach speak for one more week, right? But then Matt Mayoka comes on KBR and says that people in the organization expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be a Seattle Seahawk. And it's like, well, okay, well, is that what you want? Like, if I'm San Francisco, would I want my former quarterback, a guy who I invested a ton of money into, built the team around, won a ton of games with, would I want him to play for the opposition? Like, if this was, and I'm, I'm, I'm not comparing, but if this was Tom Brady or Brett Favre or Peyton Manning, like, do you think the Packers liked seeing Brett Favre play for the Vikings? No. There's a reason why they traded him to the Jets first. The Colts did not want to see Peyton Manning play for the Titans. <laughs> you know, like, there's a reason why he went to Denver and even had a visit for, with the Niners. There's a reason why Belichick and the Patriots were like, Tom, you can leave, just don't play in the AFC. Now, we learned this past weekend that he was almost a Raider and potentially almost a, almost a Dolphin. But it was more so of like, we don't want this person to come back and bite us in the butt. And I'm not saying that Garoppolo going to Seattle would be an instant loss or it would you know cause a ruckus, but just on the off chance... That Jimmy Garoppolo, he's feeling himself. We, we know he has those games where he's feeling himself. That, what if he happened to beat the Niners in Week 2? Let's say he's in Seattle. Niners play Seattle at home. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back to Levi Stadium for the first time. Beats Trey Lance and the Niners. Now, you can make of that what you will. I don't think it'll be all it's Week 2. A long season ahead. But I want to ask you, how would you feel? Would you not care? Or would you go crazy? Because I think I'd be in the middle where it's like, well, I mean, yeah, like this is what I would, that's, this makes sense, right? Like this whole scenario was kind of, it was bummed up, right? It was, it was shoulder injuries and trades were in place, didn't happen. The Niners hold on to him for too long. It just, it would make, it would be like, yeah, like after everything that happened, that makes sense. Like, that that was the only scenario that was going to happen, and it did. <laughs> it's like, it's it's ironic, and it's hilarious, but that would be the case. But, I don't know, we'll see. We've heard the Giants all offseason. It's been, you know, hovering over the team, whether it's the Giants, or the Steelers, or the Falcons, or the, you know, the Seahawks. There's six days left to figure out what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you could think of him what you will, but he will likely not be a 49er. Anything is possible, but we have six days, not games, not weeks, days, until the San Francisco 49ers have to make a decision on Jimmy Garoppolo's future. Do you keep him until the trade deadline or keep him and lose a roster spot because of him? Or do you release him and cut him and let him go? Uh, we'll find out if San Francisco's uh, ploy to hopefully milk a trade out of somebody, pull a trade out of somebody, uh, ends up the case. Maybe that that price tag lowers to a seventh-round pick. Who knows? If it was me, that's what I'd do. Just get something for him if you have no other options but to release him. But we'll see. we got six days. 
Uh, we got a long, it'll be a long six days, but the Niners play tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I want to talk about, and it's your favorite topic, it's your favorite segment, I know, because it's my favorite segment of preseason. Let's get to the week two edition of Stock Up and Stock Down. Alrighty, it's the week two edition of Stock Up and Stock Down. We're going to start with the Stock Up. To start here, the first one is Jordan Mason, undrafted free agent running back out of Georgia Tech. And boy, I think he has become the fan favorite of the preseason thus far. Usually running backs get some love. Uh, and again, I always talk about how well, you know, there's plenty of running backs that blow it up in the preseason and do nothing when it actually matters come week one. But Jordan Mason, he runs ferociously, he's quick with the cuts, he's decisive. He's a decisive running back. And that's the one thing that guys like uh, Ty Davis Price, Michael Hasty sometimes, and there's even Trey Sermon, who, who we'll get to in a minute. They're just not decisive. Jordan Mason runs like he knows where he's going with the ball right when he gets it. I think he has a good chance of making this team. I think he should make this team, even if it has the fourth or fifth running back. However many they, they want to keep, I think Jordan Mason should make this team. I think he's shown enough of promise that if you need him, he'll be there for you. And he's not going to be someone that's uncertain of what he wants to do. He knows what he is and who he is as a running back. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. He knows that if I hit the hole the hardest I can, it's going to be hard for teams to take me down. And that's, again, that's what you want to be as a running back. Violent, aggressive, and decisive. Jordan Mason's stock is definitely on the rise. And definitely... If he plays well against the Texans, I think he should make this roster. Let's go to stock down. The other running back I mentioned earlier, Trey Sermon. His stock, I don't want to say is plummeting, but it is, it's going down. And Kyle Shanahan has kind of been kind of null in regards to what he feels about Trey Sermon. He started against the Packers. He started against the Vikings. And you can tell Kyle Shanahan is like, yeah, like what I saw is what I expected from him. All right, cool. Like, but what did you expect? Because, and while I will admit, some of the issues Sermon has had has been the offensive line. Not having guys like Trent Williams, McGlinchey, you have two young guards, and you've had a center flexibility. That's not going to help you. That being said, Jordan Mason is playing better with essentially, you know, worse players. They're fourth, fifth, third stringers. That's not a good look for Trey Sermon. Now, I've talked about before that I don't think Trey Sermon's being used properly. I think he works better in the read option. I have confidence if he's being used that way. The issue is Trey Sermon's not decisive with his runs, and he's not being used as the read option guy. ESPN's Nick Wagner covers the Niners. He said that I think that the Niners are kind of showcasing Trey Sermon. That they're saying, hey, we'll start him, we'll show him, and hopes a team will say, hey, 
we're going to cut two running backs. He won't, Trey Sermon, for fourth, whatever the pick may be, just to get him off the books and wash your hands of him. That being said, I, the what he's shown to me isn't something worth trading for. And I don't think you just cut a third-round pick, but they may not have an option. Now, I'm not saying cut him. I, I am a big proponent of keeping all six running backs because health has been shown to be an issue in the room. But Trey Sermon so far has looked the worst out of Ty Davis Price, Jordan Mason, and Jermichael Hasty. He's he looks like the sixth guy on that depth chart, and it's it's just sad to see for a former third round pick. The second stock up is someone who I thought San Francisco was going to draft, and when I learned they got him essentially for free, not using a draft pick, uh, I was ecstatic. Jason Poe, I mean, good God. Someone who you thought was undersized, which he is, that he may not be able to make it. He may need some time. I think he has shown the best of any of the third string uh, offensive linemen. He looks better uh, than most out there. He's aggressive. He's athletic enough to where if he makes a mistake, he can correct it with his physical ability. Uh, He looks decisive with his blocks. He's picking up stunts. He looks very good in run blocking, uh, run blocking plays. And he also, and the, the beautiful thing is, he's athletic enough as a backup to where if you need to run him on stunts, you need to, you know, use him in motion to, you know, there was a play where he destroyed a defensive back last week against the Vikings. And it was like, that was beautiful. That was like Trent Williams type stuff. And I know Trent Williams talks highly of Jason Poe, so it would not surprise me if he makes this team. He he looks like he can be that backup guard guy. I don't know if that means that guys like Nick Zakel or on the practice squad or Jalen Moore, who seem like to be not on the bubble, but he's hurt currently, but he's back. And so he's nursing that and trying to get himself back into health. But I would not be surprised with Daniel Brunskill being out too for a little bit of time if Jason Poe makes this team. He looks, I don't want to say pro-ready, but he looks like he can stay uh, for a while and actually play in the NFL, whether it's this year or it's next year. He can be a valuable piece of depth, at least in 2022, for the Niners. The second down, and we only have six of these today, so the second down is Ambry Thomas, a guy who I think was a, a hero, essentially, last year. For the Niners, struggled early, came hot late, had this the game ceiling pick against the Rams to end the season to clinch a spot going to the playoffs. Ambry Thomas, he's hurt, but he just hasn't shown much. And in a room that's really crowded, and don't get me wrong, I am not a proponent of giving up on a third round pick that did show promise late in the year. I just think when you have guys like Traverius Ward. Neil Mosley, Jason Red is out for the first four weeks. When he comes back, hopefully, uh, you guys have guys like Samuel Womack who's shown off. Dante Johnson's still there. Uh, Lenore is still there. Tree Castro Fields is still there. My tendency is to say guys like Lenore, who actually has played better, you know, played better recently, that against the Vikings. To me, guys like Castro Fields and Dante Johnson, and with Ambry Thomas hurt and. Kyle Shanahan saying like he has to earn his spot. It kind of seems like there's they are somewhat down on Ambry Thomas. Maybe not to a point of cutting him or releasing him, but I'm rooting for him because he looked 
solid to end the season. And I think one of the hopes was you have a young Ambry Thomas, a young Emmanuel Mosley, you then sign Traverius Ward, you have Verrett coming back healthy. I think losing a guy like Thomas, whether it's you know a sophomore slump or this not really gaining ground in the room, I think that does essentially hurt that that CB depth. It really does because he was someone I think all fans, including myself, said that guy has promise. And if he can be your number three guy that you you know that's that's a rotational piece, that's good news. And there's even talk of if Womack doesn't win that nickelback spot, Mosley can slide in there. And your starting cornerbacks are, you know, Ward, Mosley in the nickel, then Thomas on the outside. It doesn't seem like that's really an option right now. And that's that does take away you know, some depth and really some flexibility that I think Kyle Shanahan and Demeco Ryans thought they were going to have. And they just don't have that right now because Thomas, one, is hurt. But also, he hasn't played up to par and it's just, the stock is down currently, and hopefully he can bring it back up. The other one, the other, the the third stock up is Drake Jackson. I mean, oh my goodness. Drake Jackson, it's so easy to just say, him and Nick Bosa for 10 years, sign me up. But Drake Jackson's name may not be on, you know, have five sacks next to it, but it seems like on every play or on a handful of plays in the small amount of time he's played in preseason, he's making an impact. Whether it's pressures, destroying an offensive lineman, uh, tackling the running back you know, for a tackle for loss, or just being around the ball constantly. I mean, it's so hard to, to analyze and to kind of dumb down what you think of Drake Jackson because there's so many words to explain or describe him, but you just want to say he's the freak, and that's why that's his Instagram name. He's just a freak athlete, and to have that as a depth piece, uh, Demeco Ryan said that he's earned pass rushing downs. Uh, to me, there was a lot of you know questions of how is he going to transition from defensive lineman to linebacker in college back to defensive lineman in San Francisco, and I think he's taken that in stride, and he's made the most of what he's been able to do in San Francisco. They gave him the opportunity, and he's taken it with flying colors, and I think he's shown what, at least right now, he can be, and that's a pretty darn good defensive lineman. I mean, Drake Jackson, for a second-round pick, he's a first-round talent, and I think the NFL is going to regret allowing San Francisco to pair him with Nick Bosa for the next 10 years, or hopefully longer than that, or however long it is. Having Drake Jackson alongside Nick Bosa is just... If they can both stay healthy, I, we're talking Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram in his prime style of stuff, uh, and probably a more athletic version of Melvin Ingram. Like, my goodness, Drake Jackson's stock is probably the highest of anybody on this list for me. Uh, going down once again, only two more left. Stock down, Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, he got hurt early in training camp, made his return, but there just hasn't been much there. And keep in mind... Ridgeway was someone they brought in to help replace DJ Jones of, is Javon Kinlaw healthy? We hope so. There's uncertainty there. And Ridgeway was kind of supposed to be that the backup guy, right? He was going to say, you know, if if Kinlaw isn't healthy or can't go or is struggling, Ridgeway can be the veteran behind him. Well, Ridgeway has not shown the ability to do that. And right now, guys like Amenahue, uh, Eric Armstead, and Kinlaw, even guys like Ture, like, 
the ability to go inside and outside, carry Hyder as well. Uh, they have shown that you may not need Ridgeway here. And I don't think Ridgeway currently, if you ask me as of right now, before week three of the preseason, is he making this team? My answer is no. Because, again, the flexibility of guys like Hyder and you know, Amenahue and Armstead and Kinlaw, you don't need five interior defensive linemen. You don't need that. And guys like Ridgeway, he just hasn't done much. Now, when you're a run defender, your name is not going to line up stat sheets. That's fair. We, we know that. But he really hasn't done much in regards to film and tape. He, he's not been an integral part of what San Francisco has done in training camp and in the preseason. And if he doesn't show out against the Texans, he may be someone who is in, you know, is in fear of getting cut. And so... Ridgeway, a veteran guy, he'll probably find the team later, but I'm I'm just not too sure that he makes this roster unless he balls out against the Houston Texans. And our final stock up, this one's tough because I don't think he'll make the roster, but I do think currently he is a practice squad uh, potential player. And this is Quantrez Knight. He's had a good preseason. He had a fairly good training camp. But against the Vikings, I think we kind of saw what he's good at, right? Play, recognition, the ability to tackle in the box, and he's stuffed like three or four running plays. I mean, he's okay in coverage. I'm not going to go crazy and say, oh my goodness, he'll be, you know, Darryl Revis, you know, Revis Island's back and it's going to be called the Knight's Court. I'm not going to go that far. But I think Quantrez Knight has shown that, hey, look, I don't know how much I'll play, but when I play, I'll take advantage of it. And in short, you know, his short stint of time on the field against the Vikings, it was like three or four plays in a row where he was just bang, 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 right in front of the ball, tackling the ball carrier. It was just, it kind of sat there and you were like, well, who, who is this guy? Like, he's making an impact playing cornerback behind the line of scrimmage or right in front of it. That rarely happens. He's bigger than most corners. He's stronger than most corners, and he is not afraid to take on a 225-pound running back running right at him full speed. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that San Francisco's defense likes. Again, I'm not sure if he's going to make this roster, but I do think he's a candidate for that practice squad role. We could even see him up at a certain point in the year in case of injury. So I do think your stock ups after week two are Jordan Mason, Jason Poe, Drake Jackson and Quantrez Knight, and your stock downs are Trey Sermon, Ambry Thomas, and Hassan Ridgeway. That being said, San Francisco takes on the Houston Texans tomorrow night. I believe it's on Fox. Also, the first, I believe, Amazon Prime Thursday night football game for the Niners this season. We're almost there. It's almost opening day. Almost the first game of the season against the Chicago Bears in Chicago, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. It's almost here. We are only two weeks away from week one of the NFL season, six days away from the deadline to cut players and get this roster down to 53, I believe. I cannot wait. August 30th is the date to look out for. Oh, we're just so close. It feels like it's been so long. But the Niners... Week 1 opponent, Chicago Bears, week 1 of the NFL season is so close. 
I can feel it. I can feel it in my loins, in my plums. But guess what? Before week one comes, if you want to know roster cuts, who's getting cut, who's making the team, who's making it to the practice squad, you're going to want to follow us on social media. Instagram is at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing. Who's getting a cut? Who's making the team? That is the place to find out those things. Also, again, use that promo code 49ers access. That's 49ers E R S A C C E S S at SeatGeek.com to save $20 off your first purchase. Save some money. Watch the Niners. It's really that simple and until next time my name is sterling bennett this has been the 49er access podcast and stay faithful